0: Hello, welcome everybody. I'm here with Coach Bills and Coach Blake will be joining. Shaken Blake will be joining us uh, shortly. Um, yeah, we're going to start with Region Four, recap the Sweet 16, and then talk about the uh, um, Elite Eight matchups and teams that have a chance at the Final Four. Well, probably let's start with the best game of the tournament um, in the Sweet 16, at least with uh, Waterloo and Sioux City. Um, it was a really tight one. Two really, really solid teams. Sioux City hadn't lost all year. Um, And, you know, uh, Bills. me and you kind of talked a little bit about how we were like, yeah, we're unsure about their guard situation, you know, because they got a couple guards. I wasn't sure about Christopher Martinez, but he's been playing great in this tournament. Um, Going, uh, he shot 62 the first game, 52, and then 60% this game with 26 points. So, he was fine. Um, you know, Jamal Diaz, uh, Jamal Diaz played really well. Michael Montgomery got into a little foul trouble and he followed out with only
1: playing 27 uh, minutes. Uh, but which, which sounds like a decent number, but keep in mind, this game went to overtime, right? So that meant his backup played a whole lot.
0: Yeah, he played 17 minutes and you know, Sean Miller did all right. He was plus three when he was out there, but, um, But still like that's a, that's a pretty big, that's a key cog, one of his best players. It it always hurts to lose a guy like that. So in this Waterloo team, I mean, you talked about it a little bit bills, but you talked about how, um, how you just have all, you weren't sure about coach G money when he first got, he's like, okay, he got a couple, he got lucky maybe with a couple classes, won a championship, good for him. But this guy's been consistently a really good coach recruits really good players. And, uh, you know, these guys team playing the best ball they can here in, at the most important time.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, lots of respect for what this program has done since that initial run of winning some big ties, because it has really been very well sustained. And last year, Waterloo was the number one seed. This year, they come in as the four seed and just took out the last remaining undefeated team. And, you know, we'll get into it. I think they've got a very tough matchup coming up, but certainly a game they could win, could win. So, Uh, The run could continue for the Woodchucks. And, I mean, going just to back up briefly on this game against Mm -hmm. Sioux City, the reason that I think Waterloo did pose a pretty good matchup, meaning like, you know, it was going to be tough for Sioux City, is that Waterloo had size to match size. You know, not as quite as much as Sioux City had. Sioux City has a seven-footer playing small forward. Almost nobody has that. But just inside, we talked a lot about Paul Coleman, and he's the Waterloo center. Last year he had 14 rebounds a game. You know, he can he can hang, and it's no surprise that somebody like Michael Montgomery got in foul trouble in this game trying to guard Paul Coleman. You know, that's not just bad luck. That's talent on the part of Waterloo. So it, it was a great game. I don't know if you're going to go through the play-by-play. You mentioned Christopher yeah. Martinez. He hit the uh, he hit the game tire to send it to OT. Uh, yeah. Kind of a deflating shot for Waterloo, but then they hung on.
0: You know, Waterloo played really great. You know, they were up, you know, 7 to 10. You know, the, uh two-city, good job hanging in there, you know and they they hung in there, you know, they cut it to five, and then um, Waterloo would pull ahead. And then in the fourth quarter, um, you know, the shots didn't fall quite as much for uh, Waterloo. You know, they're getting a lot more of their stuff at the line. Um, Three minutes left, they're up by five. Jamal Diaz hits a big shot. Um, Paul Coleman hits a shot to put him up by five again with a minute 30, and then 13 seconds later, Diaz comes down and makes another one. He was making great shots. Uh, Paul Coleman got two layups. They both got blocked. One by Matthew Whitaker, the backup center um, there. Or no, Matthew Whitaker's the shooting guard. My bad. Um, and then Skyler Wynn um, uh, blocked a shot with 43 seconds. Skyler Wynn get, took took a long range two, but he missed it. Austin Schein makes the two free throws and they're up by five. With, yeah, so uh,
1: it's a, just make that very clear, five-point game, 26 seconds left. So yeah. Fast.
0: So it's like, ah, eh, that's probably not, probably not on the cards, but Christopher Martinez comes down, takes a look. Li- it's one of those ones where it's like, why are you taking so long to put up a shot? But it, it, they just weren't the players that they wanted to shoot it. And finally it got to Martinez and he hit the three. Uh, Matthew Wicker commits a really quick foul. And it's like, those aren't, those aren't a given, you know, you get, no. you get 10 seconds left. And it's like, you know, I don't know if everyone knows this, but I feel like it's the seven-second mark. You know, if there's seven seconds, there's enough to get a shot. If there's not, you're probably not going to get a shot. That's mm-hmm. that's at least the way I've I've always seen it. And he followed him with seven seconds. Austin Chime misses the front end, of the one and one, and Christopher Martinez gets the Sean Miller gets the rebound, passes to Martinez, who takes it all the way to the rack, and he uh, he hits a mid-range shot to send it to overtime.
1: And before you go any further, Austin Shine, the guy you're talking about who missed that front end and previously had made two at 26 seconds, he's the backup point guard. So, you Mm -hmm. know, we talked about foul trouble for Sioux City. Waterloo's starter fouled out in just 15 minutes of play, Colby Jordan. So that's why Shine was in there taking those big free throws. So, you know, their fans had to be going nuts seeing the backup miss that front end and give Sioux City a chance. But go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you get to overtime and it's like, man, this might not go well, especially because... You know, you blow that big lead, but, you know, they made some big shots early, went back and forth. Diaz put up – Diaz hit a split free throws to put him up by one with three minutes left, and then Paul Coleman got his second and one of the game. Austin Shine hit a big shot. Diaz gets an and one to pull him within one with two minutes. Um, And uh, after that, um, they're down by three, and Sean Miller, the – Sean Miller's the backup center that was playing. He had a costly turnover with eight seconds on the shot clock. Austin Shine stole the ball. They get one shot off. Sean Miller blocks it. They got the rebound. Another shot off from Paul Coleman. Got another offensive rebound. So two offensive rebounds. And then Ryan Contreras hits a layup. Um, they were only up by three with 45 seconds left. They hit that layup to go up by five. And, you know, that I feel like that's always a backbreaker when it's like, oh, man. You see a couple offensive rebounds for the other team, and you're like, gosh, this is not going to
1: end well. And, and that's uh, going to be a theme. I mean, keep going. You'll see more offensive yep. rebounds that are coming. Yeah.
0: Yep, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, Skyler Wynn gets the and one to pull them within two, and they have to start doing the offensive, the intentional follow game. Shine misses both free throws. Paul Coleman grabs the offensive board. Um, he gets so the greatest
1: the greatest rebounder in the history of League 31 arguably gets the huge offensive rebound there. Finish. Yeah,
0: he splits the free throws. Skyler Wynn takes a free uh, th- uh, two pointer to pull him with one but he misses it. Kai Rubio gets uh, the rebound gets fouled splits his free throws to put him up by four. Christopher Martinez misses the shot. And uh, at that point, it was all over. So great win for um, Waterloo. And I'm just really impressed. I was even texting uh, – well, we'll get to this one, but I was texting his opponents for next game. I'm like, what do you think about Waterloo? And he's like, dude, like, they have no weak spots at all. Like, I don't know where I'm going to – I don't know where I'm going to attack. And I was like, yeah, look at their shooting guard. Kai Rubio is getting 2.3 steals per game. He's like, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, Sam and Lansing, um, let's uh, – we can – we can talk a little bit about his game before the game. He texted me and he was like, I feel really confident. I feel like our, I feel like I understand my game plan and we're playing well. So I think we're, we're going to do well in this one. And uh...
2: the... yeah, one last, one last note. Um, I don't know if you introduced me in here.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Blake.
2: Yeah. Uh, just like Sioux city. I mean, played a great game and they're a really young team. So I imagine they're going to be back here. I mean, they aren't going to graduate any of their seniors for uh, any, any starter for two seasons here. So played yeah, a great they're, game they're and they'll be team. back. So, uh, but props to Waterloo for pulling, pulling this one out and going
0: yeah. forward. No, that's a good point. And I think that's probably something you, you need to look at. It's like, where does this team go from here? And it's like, they, they look solid. If They could get some guard play, a little bit of scoring from their guards. They're going to be really tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of that Lansing game, yeah, you guys have any thoughts? Did you guys watch? I mean, Lansing beat them by 17, held a really, really efficient team to only 44% from the field. Um, six, They only got 67 points. Uh, Talon Grove was struggling one of nine. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, for the field, it and uh, Quincy Styles and Benjamin Hornberger really stepped up for for Lansing and came back big in that win.
2: Yeah, I think uh, what stands out to me, I guess, is the three point shooting by Lansing. Um, mm-hmm. only 11 for 15 i mean no matter if, who you're playing whatever whatever week uh shooting 73 73 uh, percent from three uh that's gonna be tough to beat any either no matter who you're playing uh, i mean benjamin Horn- hornberg went five for five from three so yeah
0: um, just doing his best three. l horford impersonation huh what doing his best l horford impersonation
1: oh yeah <laughs> oh yes oh yes I mean, it's it's, it's it's interesting to see how that power forward matchup really defined the game, right? I mean, Hornberger yep. had 32 points uh, over a 36-game score, and his opponent did almost nothing, Oscar mm-hmm. Nielsen. Four, four points, five turnovers, a negative game score. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that one matchup, you know, and, and Lansing played well elsewhere as well, but that one matchup really told a lot of the story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nielsen's not necessarily a scorer. So you'd think, you don't know this, but it's like, okay, he probably's in there for rebounding, maybe. He, he doesn't have a positive assist to turnover ratio. So you'd think he has pretty good defense, but um, he wasn't, I mean, yeah, he didn't do very well tonight.
1: <laughs> nope. Nope.
0: Yeah. So, um, and then, man, props to Lansing with the freshman point guard really shunned down Talon Grove, who's a super-efficient player, 60% from the field, 66% true shooting. Uh, You know, He only went one for nine as a senior. You hate to go out that way.
1: You called it out before the tournament, right? I mean, Lansing had that first-round game against Carson City. I picked Carson City to win this region, and I still feel good about it because they lost by four, a really close game to Lansing. I I said I think the winner of that game will win the region, and I'm going to stick to that. So, uh, but point being, Carson City has a great point guard and Peter Edwards. And you were saying, yeah, it'll be challenging for the freshman point guard. But Ernesto Smith has done it this season, you know, really played well on defense. And he's mm-hmm. been doing it, doing it in the tournament as well.
0: Yeah. So, real quick, what do you – I mean, Naples loses their their point guard. But other than that, they bring back everybody else. Um, do you feel like they come back, they come back better? It's an 88-110 class or – you know, um, or is that – I mean, that's a tough loss to have for sure. But, yeah, what do you yeah, – it, It's
1: just so hard to say because we don't know what they're going to bring in. But I think they're, the main source of their success this year was being able to spread the ball around mm-hmm. and have so much balance and such great shooting. Uh, I do think Kennedy can handle a much bigger load. I mean, he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. So you could see a different type of offense for them next year with Could him. he play point guard, you think? I'm sure he could. I don't know how wh- whether that would be ideal, but he could. Uh, yeah. one, way, one way or the other, I think he'll be their leading scorer by a good margin next year. For sure. So they, they really just need to bring in a good complementary piece. And, you know, frankly, this might be an overreaction to the one game, but they might want to upgrade that power forward spot too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
0: For sure. Well, let's look at that, that next game between Lansing and Waterloo. Like I said, Lansing coach Sam Whalen. I mean, these are two great coaches in League Thirty-One here, and I mean, I think it's a theme for a lot of the, a lot of the teams that are in this Elite Eight is just great coaches all around. But um, how do you think this game goes down? Um, I think, I think it's a, I think it's going to be a deadlock. I think that both teams are extremely talented, and uh, I think this one could come down to the wire.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a really close game. Uh, Lansing definitely prides itself on their defeat- defensive stand. Um, I think, uh, personally, I think Waterloo e- ekes this one out. I think it's going to be hard to shut down all five, basically, starters who are all in double digits uh shooting i mean they're all over 13 points per game and, yeah. like it's hard to stop everyone like it, it's pretty like if you got one or two players you can make some adjustments and maybe interrupt the game flow but when you got five five starters all over 13 points it's hard
0: um well you could say almost the same thing about lansing maybe on a lesser extent but um i mean they you know, they everyone on their team can do a little bit. You know, they have a much lower mm-hmm. field goal percentage, but um, they have a lot of people chip in. They play great defense, and now they don't have to worry about <laughs> playing the defenses of Conference fifteen, which is a little different. But Waterloo's <laughs> just as good as any. So you, hold on,
1: let me get this straight. Your take is Conference fifteen is tougher than Elite eight opponents. You, that's, that's, that's your <laughs> hey, i'm just saying once once we got our conference 15 we finally solved our shooting problems so, <laughs> like, fair yeah. enough but you're playing ptt teams not ntt lead eight no but seriously i mean seriously conference 15 is a great test yeah. conference eight conference 18 is as well so let's give yeah, yeah. a little credit what- but I, yeah i, I was gonna say I, I will take lansing in this game like i said in the you know in the pre podcast I said the winner of the lansing Carson City game would win the region mm. and I, I'm going to stick to that. I think those are the two best teams in this region, and somebody's going to win it from there. Yeah.
0: All right, cool. Well, let's look at Region Three. Um, you know, uh, we got Bakersfield, who um, you know Coach Blake he's very familiar with. They played Rockford, and uh, yeah, early on, you know they. Um, it was pretty tight, you know, throughout the first quarter, uh, you know, one point game. The, and then in the second quarter, in the second quarter, um, the, um, Bakersfield started to pull away. We're up by nine at halftime. And then the second half, it just really got out of hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they pulled away quite a bit, um, you know, spread it around. Phillip, Felipe Donato <laughs> went 15 for 19. Larry Hollenbeck, 10 for 14. Uh, Angel Johnson, five for seven. So that two through four, you know, um, those positions where you, you have the your wings, you call them. Nested, I guess you know mm-hmm. sometimes people play two bigs or whatever. But those guys just really dominated and shot uh, combined thirty or yeah, sorry, 30 for,
1: um, 40. 40,
0: 30 yeah. for forty. So that's seventy five percent. Not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. And none of
1: those guys had the best game score on the team.
0: Yeah, best game score was Justin Becker. Yeah, that's a crazy piece. Like,
2: everybody, like, everybody shot insane other than Justin Becker. And, but Justin Becker was the reason why everybody was shooting so good. I mean, yeah. 19 assists and two steals and one turnover.
0: But that's that's what a line a lot 11 times, yeah. you know? You and follow? it wasn't, he wasn't picking those up in garbage time. He was picking those up by, uh, pushing the ball in transition and um, getting hacked so mm-hmm. i mean great win for them and they you know you see a game like this and you're like man these guys <laughs> these guys look scary they were already the favorite probably heading into this uh tournament but basketball
2: yeah Just, yeah, I just give props to Rockford. Um, Jeremiah McCann tried his best with 13 assists, and
0: Mm -hmm. um, uh,
2: Dayton Harwell had 13 rebounds, four blocks, and 22 points. I mean, uh, tough to go out like that, but you kind of just ran into a giant offensive train that just smacked.
0: Uh, I mean, you just got to tip your head to. Um, Bakersfield after a game like that, yeah, yeah. Looking at Rockford, they lose their their center um, Samuel Baldwin. Uh, who's really solid, you know, um, you know, one of their better players. You know, can score pretty efficiently, mm-hmm. um, rebound well, pass, defend. Uh, yeah, so they're going to need some big men to big men to replace him. But you know, Future Stars a great recruiter. He knows how to find guys that fit into his system and um, that other guys happen to overlook. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, they've been in the, their, their mainstay in the NTT. I don't see that change next year.
1: I agree. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing he's got some good, uh, good plans for next year. Baldwin was a multi-team tie. So tough to replace a guy like that always, but I, I think it's, it's a program that will continue to be a force to be reckoned with.
0: Yeah. Let's look at the bottom game. Um, we got St. Paul going up, who went up against Virginia Beach. And, uh, you know, St. Paul, they they used a lot of their bench. Taylor Simmons went 7 for 12. No, you know, Weber 5 for 10 for 12 points. Simmons hit 17 points. Really split around and got 98 points out of their team. Uh, and it just looked like um, Virginia Beach was outmatched. Oliver Pritchett only went 5 for 15. Andrew Ables fouled out after 22 minutes, going 7 for 16. Uh, He had 19 points, but they just couldn't keep up with him. Um, Part of it was, you know, St. Paul got into the line 24 times um, and uh, only turning it over 6. So that that always helps a lot, and then they shot way more efficiently. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, great win for St. Paul. Anything about this game you want to talk about?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, props to Antonio Hernandez um, for kind of taking Oliver Pritchett, kind of just taking him and throwing him out the door uh, yeah. with 15 points um, and 15 rebounds, out rebounding him 7 to 15 and shooting five for, 5 for 15 for Virginia Beach. Uh, Virginia Beach, uh, Oliver Pritchett was kind of the main. And Abels too, was kind of what had gotten him to this point. And um, Antonio finished it finished him off well. So props there.
0: Yeah. Tough game for Pritchett to go out on. That's his last game as a Viper. And, uh, you know, he's going to be missed. They still have Andrew Abels. They have that junior class that's 6198. And they got the freshman class. He's starting Joel Malone in there. Um, but... They're going to need some help. You know, Wyatt Turner is coming back, which helps. They're they're only losing one starter, but, you know, Pritchett's their best player. He's the one that they counted on, and it's going to be a lot tougher um, without a guy like him unless they can break a
1: big tie. Second second team all league, Pritchett was named after Friday. Oh, he was? Emphasize that. Yeah, but a great run for Virginia Beach, Beach too. You know, to be a 15 seed, get to the Sweet 16, you got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, for
0: sure. Um, real quick, Virginia Beach is in on Marcos Jordan. Um, yeah, so that, that is one guy in the top 75 they are in um, that I know of. So, mm-hmm. um, Okay, uh, so that leaves up the matchup between St. Paul and uh, Bakersfield. Does St. Paul even have a chance, or is this <laughs> – or is this just another patented uh, Bakersfield
1: up? <laughs> yes, they have a chance. I think they have a chance. I mean, keep yeah. in mind, St. Paul has a history of knocking out the juggernaut in League 31. It was, yeah. Duluth for, it was Duluth for a little while. There was a back and forth between those two coaches. But, you know, on the court, St. Paul won what seemed like more than half the matchups between those two teams. Yeah. And D- Duluth, at its best, was every bit as talented as these Bakersfield teams. So I, I think Coach Blue will have something up his sleeve. Now, could it be another thirty-point blowout? Absolutely, because Bakersfield is that good. Uh, but if there were one coach to the task to try to handle Bakersfield, it would be Coach Blue. So I'm excited for this matchup. I think it'll be interesting to see if there's anything he can come up with to slow yeah. them down.
2: Yeah, I second that, Bill. Uh, bills like uh, St. Paul's playing crazy good ball right now. The tournament has really turned. They've really turned it up. Um, and they're definitely hitting their stride. Um, and uh, Coach Blue is a really good coach, and I'm sure, like you said, he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. So um, I think there's a chance. Uh, I think they have a reasonable, at least, shot at it. Um,
1: and you would know. You're, you're the one yeah. coach who knows how to beat Bakersfield in the, in the NTT. And yeah, so how do you beat once.
0: them? <laughs> 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 yeah. So about a year ago, you pulled off. You shocked the world, right? You know, you shocked the world. You pulled off the upset over Bakersfield after losing to him. Was it three times or two? Uh,
2: three. Wait, no, twice. I think twice. It
0: might have been twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: Conference yeah, twice. and then the. Um... But by thirty-three and sixteen. So yes. Yeah.
0: yes. Yes. So <laughs> what? What do you th- if you're if you're consult if Coach Bill if Coach uh, Blues asking you. What's your advice to beating them? I mean, if there's anyone who – I mean, you've tried a few times and came up short, but you gave them some good games for sure. Um, yeah.
2: I mean, I ran zone against them uh, the first time, and that seemed to work okay. second time it didn't work as good. Um, so it's it's a thought. Um, but yeah. this team is really good. Um, Angel Johnson's a very good defender. Um, I know I've always tried to kind of avoid him <laughs> if I can mm-hmm. move move matchups around because he he just wrecks uh, Amber and uh, my star. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I saw you put it. You put Amber in a shooting guard in last year's title game, and that worked out great. He had a mm-hmm, big game.
2: Because mm-hmm. yeah, he's he's faced Angel a few too many times and shot five for twenty. I'm like, yeah, no, we're just not not today. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so no. yeah. Yeah, I think you know if you can. Uh, I mean, honestly, like you, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to force Justin Becker to get out of his comfort zone. He's mm-hmm. gonna have to get a couple turnovers. You know, you can't have a 19 and one, uh, 19 assists to one turnover and expect to win. You know, yeah. if you can get Justin Becker out of his uh, comfort zone, I feel like the rest of um, the team you know, is going to struggle as well because they have, let's see, um, 24.5 of their 37.5 um, field goals are assisted. So mm-hmm. they really rely on the assist. They, they don't have a lot of shot clears that can just create for themselves. They pass it around a lot and they're really good at it. Um, but mm-hmm. if you can disrupt that a little bit and make them make them work for it a bit, um, I think you got a lot better shot.
2: Yeah,
1: fair.
0: If, if there is a shot, right? Yes, yeah.
1: To be clear, I'm not I'm not picking St. Paul. I just I'm excited for the matchup. It'll be interesting yes. to see what Saint what Paul chooses to do.
0: And you know, Blue, coach Blue, he's got a little chip on his shoulder, you know. He likes to Yeah. He, he likes it um he likes that, you
1: know. He, he's he complaining was, he's, you're not picking them to win by enough in the pot. Yeah, I'm not picking <laughs> like I don't know how I I don't know what I did, but <laughs>
0: Um, let's go to region two. Um,
1: We have to talk about region two.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So low, low, low scoring affair between, um, Salt Lake and Louisville. Um, Yeah, I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Louisville just got out and they play, they played some really good defense, um, defense early, you know, the last four minutes of the, of the first quarter, um, you guys didn't, you guys went on what a drought for probably like six or seven minutes there. Um, and at halftime, it's uh, it was supposed to be 30, 33, 33 25, and say, Jones hit a three pointer with three seconds left. And those are always backbreakers. Like, okay, it's single digits, we got a shot, and then he gets a three, and that, that really, uh, that, that gave him a bigger lead. So, 25 points. What are you saying? What, what was your message to your team at halftime? Well,
1: first, I mean, I, I just always thought we could play with these guys. And in the beginning of the second half, we showed that, right? And we went on an 8 nothing run. And yeah. it was 30, 36 33, uh, less than two minutes into the second half. So, each quarter, if you will, it always seemed like we were going along fine. And then near the end of the quarter, they would blow it back open. So, it was a three point game there with you know, 17 and a half minutes to go. By the time it was 10, you know, it was still five minute, five points with 13 and a half to go, or 13.45. But then by the end of the 10 minutes there, it's 37. So I don't know. For yeah. some reason, we just we just couldn't cut into it in this game. Uh, it was frustrating to see us play so poorly offensively. But, I mean, my message throughout was we're good enough to win this game. We can, we yeah. can do it. And I still believe that. I want another shot at him. Well, they went on their
0: run when Crowley got his second foul. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty close, and he got his foul. They took a nine-point lead. He came back in, um, and he picked up his third foul. With uh, it was six-point game, and he picked up his third foul um, with a minute left, which um, wasn't wasn't ideal. And they ended up going up by eleven. Uh, yeah, like like you said early in the second half, David Morgan was seemed like he was making some big shots, and then Crowley picked up another foul um with 16:47 left so that's his fourth foul you guys were down by three they made a layup on that shot and uh you know that that's a tough one um and you just you you were just struggling to score while he was out yeah. uh he came back so he came back in with about 10 minutes left
1: yeah we were i mean we were plus nine when he was out there that's yeah minus minus, minus minus 14 even though he wasn't that great for him i mean he was eight for 19 but we were still better than they were when he was on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives me some regret because I moved him down to small forward. That matchup against Corey Timmons, kind of a juryman, looked like a good one to me. I mean, he's a guy who was on NA to start the season, came in, has been holding down the fort at that small forward position. But if you go look at his high school scouting report, just looked like he was a guy that, that uh, Crowley could take advantage of. And I mean, frankly, I thought the same of Solace, their power forward. So maybe I should have just left him there, but I thought even more so. Small for it, but Timmons is a bit more of a scorer, so I guess that's why Crowley got in foul trouble. Just it's hard not to feel like this was a winnable game if I had tweaked yeah. a few things. Um, now with that said, you know, eventually we'll get to Charlotte, uh, Louisville's opponent in the next round, and I, I'm not sure I would have viewed that as a winnable game, so I don't, I don't feel that bad, but still, this was a tough one.
0: And with 32 seconds, Slate Ray, um, who had made a couple shots up to that point in a row uh had a shot to take to bring it with him one and he missed it uh louisville did not miss their free throws um which makes it hard and he off to louisville and just playing an excellent defensive game held you guys to uh, 37.1 from the field 0 of 5 from three-point line and they played excellent free throw defense too only holding you guys to five for nine so i don't know um I mean, you played, you played great free throw defense too, holding them to six for 13. So, right, right. Uh, but, but they made the important ones at the end. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just, uh, offense was always going to be our problem eventually this season if Crowley got slowed down and the hope yep. really was that he wouldn't, you know, um, yeah. but in a game when he did, you know, I mean, you know, Avery green is really our second best scorer. We've had him on the bench throughout this NTT that worked out great in round two. He came in and exploded off the bench. This game he didn't have it. He was zero for five in his time. Uh, so you know Morgan had a very good game, but you know we just didn't have that second scorer who could pick up for for Crowley when he didn't have it in one game.
0: And when your when your best player gets into foul trouble, chances are you're not going to win. It yeah. doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. who you're playing. I mean, if you're you could get lucky, but you you're not going to win many games that your best player's in foul trouble no matter what.
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: Especially at this point of the tournament.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I I mean, I don't mean to take anything away from Louisville. They're a good team. They were not a great matchup for us because although you said the other day on the podcast that we have good backcourt defense, that's not necessarily our strength. Uh, We have, we have some good defenders in the front court, but I was not exactly sure how we were going to shut down Griffin and Gore. And ultimately we did a pretty good job on those guys, but that's, you know, that, struck me as a potentially difficult matchup. So if we had lost this game in a high scoring affair where those guys went nuts, I think I would have been able to stomach it maybe slightly better. Uh, But to have the game sitting there and have them shoot 40% and us not be able to, you know, scrape out more than 57 points is kind of tough. Yeah.
0: So looking forward, you lose, you lose your gut. You lose Jonathan Crowley. um, And uh, yeah. So how do how do you feel like you guys replace him? Um, You're a week out from uh, recruits, so, yeah. What do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, we don't. We don't replace him. We won't replace him. I mean, he's a a great player. Uh, We've been very privileged to have him for this entire time. We're going to have to shift some things around. You know, we sort of experimented during parts of the season with making Green a feature part of the offense. He's, uh, you know, a good player who has some flaws. Uh, That likely will have to happen next year, that he's going to really have to take on a featured scoring role. And I think – Uh, He is capable of doing that, but, you know, we'll have to kind of pace some things together around him to try to make up for everything, everything that we lose with Crowley. And, you know, we're, we're in on some ties and we'll see what kind of players we can bring in, but it'll it'll certainly be a loss. No doubt about that.
0: Yeah. Well, let's look at the next matchup. Um, Charlotte came out Mm -hmm. and shot 57.5% from the field. 10 for 10 from free throws, uh, six from 13 from three. I mean, and Riley Richards, what a game. 10 for 15, five for seven from three, four for four from the free throw, free throw line, three assists, two steals. Um, I mean, just masterful out there, you know, just uh, trying to park the defense. Zachary Matthews only played 18 minutes with foul trouble, but seven for seven, didn't miss a single shot. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, every, God, this team looks starter. really good.
2: Every yeah. starter was
0: over 50% shooting. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they played great defense, held the opponents to 41.7%. Um, only, they only, I mean, they out-rebounded them too. When <laughs> They out-rebounded them 43 to 25. They only, I mean, only had 25 rebounds, almost doubled their rebounds. I mean, that's what happens when you don't miss shots. It's hard to get uh, <laughs> offensive rebounds. And they only got six. Uh, but, um yeah, just I mean, it, it really wasn't New Orleans' night.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the only thing uh, the it, the kind of the interesting thing I saw when I was looking at the box score is both small forwards for New Orleans shot extremely well seven for ten and three for three, um, which yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if maybe Colton Ross is maybe not a good defender and is mainly offensive juggernaut or something. But yeah, everybody else shot like crap, but that small forward position, even the backup shot well, um, which is interesting.
0: So, yeah. And they ran normal, so it's, no one really knows what normal is, but uh, you have to <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, that's normal, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, so yeah, so uh, New Orleans, you know, tough loss for them. They lose uh, Jared Goodwin, who was split in time, played a little bit of star- starter, and then he got uh, benched for the end of the year. Um, they're, and, you know, that's that that's their, and then Augustin Yeske, um, their point guard, who, you know, I mean, his stats don't look amazing by any means, but I'm sure he's a very important part of their team. And, you know, he's part of a 40-56 class. And then Elijah Hall, um, the big guy, uh, who scores a ton for them, 20 points, four points a game. So that's, that's a decent amount of turnover, losing both your starting guards um, for them. Yeah, what do you think about the outlook for them next year?
1: I, I think they're going to take a step back for sure. I mean, as you say, they lose two starters, they lose a guy in Goodwin who played some minutes for them. It's a good program. They always manage to rebuild. Uh, you can see they're in the NTT more seasons than not. But they may need to take a step back next year unless they can break some ties because they're they're losing some good players.
0: Yeah. So they're on um, they're on Austin Marshall out of twelve, a one-one tie with Miami. Jaquan Miller, of 19. He's a 3-3 tie with Montpelier, Vicksburg, and San Antonio. Jordan Starr, a 3-3 with Clearwater, Pensacola, and Galveston. Um, and Yeah, those are the teams I see. So, they, I mean, they got some ties. We'll see if they can pull any of them in. Um, yeah, I mean, four ties means hopefully you got one or two um, clear leads that, you know, you can really rely on. Only one of those is a small tie, so we'll see what happens.
1: That guy, Marshall, the 1-1 tie you mentioned, looks like he would fit in very nicely as a point guard for them. He's six-three, EGG type. So, And that's a 1-1 tie. You know, if you win, maybe they're right back in the thick of things in Conference 12 again next season.
0: Yeah. So um, let's look at that Louisville-Charlotte uh, game. Uh, yeah, Louisville has the great defense. Charlotte has a super efficient offense offense. Um, or at least Louisville had a great defense uh, this game. But, you know, every game they've been playing, you know, they held Flagstaff to 50, Oxford to 61, you guys to 57. do you think they can do it with uh, with Charlotte? He's been scoring 91, 85, and 100.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a real challenge for them. I mean, uh, it's an impressive defense. I will tell you, in scouting Louisville, they're a very, very smart team. Almost everybody on their team seems uh, to have some intelligence to them. I imagine that helps their defense and they can figure out how to shut good teams and good players down in the NTT. Um, but I just feels to me, and I don't want to jump ahead too much here, but I feel like we've been on a crash course toward that Charlotte Ann Arbor rematch, you know, yeah. the PNTT final would be yeah. a final four game. And no disrespect to Louisville, no disrespect to Arlington whom we'll talk about in region one, but I just, I don't see Charlotte losing this game. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I tend to have to agree. I think Louisville is going to make it a little bit messy. Um, I mean, playing slow and they're playing good defense, I think it's going to be a little bit of a messy game, but I think Charlotte's going to have a little bit too much offense, even for Louisville to, um,
0: to handle. Yeah. Yeah, and Bills, I'd say this is – I mean, we, all three of us picked Ann Arbor, um, Charlotte, and – I don't know if you picked Charlotte, but you didn't really make picks in, in the second region. And, uh, well, I, I know I picked Ann Arbor, Charlotte, and Bakersfield, and then I picked Lansing pretty far, too. I think I picked Huntington Beach Swim, but this is probably one of the more successful seasons I've had from predicting things. So.
1: Yeah, it's fair to say. I mean, I the one thing I said at the beginning of that pre-NTT podcast was that the very top of the league looked a little stronger than usual. And mm-hmm. that includes Ann Arbor, Bakersfield, and Charlotte, especially, to me, yeah. those th- those three teams. So it would not be a surprise at all to see all three of them in the final four. Well, speaking
0: of Ann Arbor, let's look at their game against Reno. Um, Ann Arbor did not get their normal um, giant scoring. It was more of a low scoring game. It ended up 78 to 70. Um, but you know, Ann Arbor pulls out. I mean, they they pull out to a pretty decent lead in the first quarter hanging around 10 points. Uh, and and he kind of stayed there uh for a while, you know, at the ten to eight to thirteen kind of range, and then uh at halftime it's um a seven point game. You know, it, it was always like every time um Reno seemed like they might make a run in Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor pulls away and uh,
2: That's what I was gonna say when I was looking through the play by play, it seemed like it was like Every like it was kind of a stiff arm that like there was a nice cushion the entire game where like as soon as Reno would move, Ann Arbor would move, and like it, they just couldn't quite get close enough
0: to yeah yeah. And you know perhaps to Ann Arbor they they've moved Anthony Baker. He's playing more point guard now. And, you know, he had an incredible game, 11 for 21, 6 of 11 from 3, 7 for 9 from free throw, 35 points, Uh, just big. Joshua Henley had 18 rebounds in this game to go along with 13 points. Not the most efficient. Uh, Andrew Tucker had 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 blocks. Um, So for Reno, you know, uh, Zachary Richardson did have a good game, but the rest of the team just didn't shoot well enough. Ann Arbor actually shot a lot worse than uh, than Reno, um, but they only turned it over nine times to their 14, and they got 20 offensive boards. and that, That'll tip the scales a little bit. Plus, they made a lot from the free throw line going eight for 17. You mean the three-point
1: line? Yeah.
0: Yeah, three-point line, yeah. 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 They did struggle yeah. from the free throw, but they, they shot a lot of them. <laughs>
1: Kind of, kind of surprising to see them dominate the offensive class that way. I mean, that would be the one thing you would think Reno would really be able to, to hold down with a guy like Collins in the middle, and, and Jones, too, as the power forward. Um, I mean, you, you tell us, Blake. I assume Reno is not a team you're expecting to out-rebound when you play them. No, no.
2: Jermaine is uh, an animal, and Henry Jones is an extremely athletic
0: guy. Um, but Jermaine did get his second foul with 17-22 left in the first half. Um so You're that right. that that he he did play most of the second half, but that put like a little he came, and he came back in the uh he came back with nine twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he fouled
2: out. I didn't see that until now. And uh the one thing about Reno is that he tends to be pretty thin. Um tends to run his starters pretty well and his starters are really good, but his bench can be a little bit lacking. So Tyler mm-hmm. Harris probably was a significant, significant downgrade.
1: Yeah, I mean, you see Harris minus 13 in 18 minutes. Collins was plus five when he was out there. So if he had been able to stay on the floor, it could have been a different game.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, with a game, you know, it, it looked a little closer than it actually was. He, Jermaine Collins did pick up his fourth foul with 15:46. Uh, so, he, you know, when you get those, when and for players, when you get those substitutions a little mixed up, sometimes that affects them. They're so used to a certain way of playing where it's like, okay, I sub out with 11 minutes left in the first half or something like that. And then I come back in with eight minutes in the first half and I play the rest of that. But when you get that a little off, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, my rhythm's off. I wasn't ready. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, that can, that can hurt. But Jermaine Collins did produce when he was in there. Um, But you know, the fouls just were an issue. And that's kind of what happens when you go up against a guy like Andrew Tucker, who's just a stud.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: So for Reno, they lose Zachary Richardson and Jermaine Collins, their 3A class, and Henry Jones. Uh, so that's uh, that's a lot. Um, yeah, what do you think, uh, Blake, about their outlook for next year?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to get – I think they're gonna have to get lucky again um, and break some tie, break some significant ties. Um, they've they tend to go pretty high and go for some pretty nice ties, um, yeah. and it doesn't. It sometimes pans out and sometimes doesn't. They've been on the kind of the unlucky section for the last three seasons, so they haven't really been able to pair that three that three eight. Um, with anybody like behind them but you know it only takes one class
0: to it only takes takes one player
2: yeah one Uh, player in one class to put you right back up and and right back up so
0: so they're on zachary dubose um who's the number three overall uh recruit and he's a um or three most recruited he's an 8-8 tie and then they're also on uh, Patrick Lamy, who's a 3-3 tie with El Paso, San Diego, and Culver City. Um, so they land one of those, and, you know, that, that could help them. But they're still just losing a lot of production. It's going to be tough to replace.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Dubose is a small forward, if I remember correctly. So You know, he, he'll be an awesome player, but presumably they won't get him, right, with a tie that big. Lamy is a good player, not a great player. I don't think either of these guys is going to replace what they had. Yeah, and losing Richardson, Jones, and Collins. So Reno has had a really nice run here. You guys know I have a lot of respect for them. For the tournament, I picked them to make the Sweet 16 and lose in this game. So you know, uh, props to them for for making me look smart for once. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think their run is over. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to be too doomsday about it, but I think they they had their run and in a really really tough conference that you play in. Like I, I think they're going to be on the outside of the NTT looking in for a little while now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's look at the San Jose Arlington game. Um, in this game, t- uh, Taylor Asher and Christopher Fuller, um, those two had monster games. Asher, 20 and 14 with five blocks. Uh, Fuller went 11 and 17 rebounds, four assists, four blocks. Um, I mean, they, uh, those two were just, were just huge. And then, uh, you know, they got production from other people. San Jose shot twenty seven point four percent. Brian Combs, their uh, freshman um, freshman player, what he didn't win freshman player of the year, I know, but he he got freshman of the year in their in first female conference. Uh, but he, you know he's good and he's very talented. Uh, he went four for twenty. Samuel Hartman went three for fifteen. Luke Campbell four for sixteen. Just a rough night for San Jose all together.
1: No doubt about it. And one one game after Brian Combs had been dominant in their mm-hmm. win over Cedar Rapids, who I gotta own up to it, you were giving us, giving me credit for being part of the group that picked Dan Arbor to win this region. But I did not. I actually picked Cedar Rapids to win the region. Oh, you did? Uh, I did. I must admit that. And they lost in the second round. So, uh, and that that was largely thanks to Brian Combs, who was twelve yes. for nineteen, twelve for nineteen points. So. Arlington really looks like they are hitting their stride at the right time. Right. This is a team with a one, one freshman class, five, seven, sophomore class. Uh, they had kind of a bumpy up and down season in a, you know, a highly ranked conference conference 24. Uh, but now they're clearly peaking.
0: Yeah. So sure we'll talk is. about that in a second. Um, but real quick for San Jose, you lose your nine-thirteen class. You lose Samuel Hartman. You lose Jacob Felder and Luke Campbell. Um, we still do have Brian Combs to pull uh, to kind of help them along, but yeah. Any thoughts on them moving forward?
1: San Jose had not been in the NTT ever until last season. It was the first ever NTT in the team history. This was the second. Uh, Combs is great, but I think it'll be tough for them to get back. Uh, losing that those three senior starters in the thirteen nine class, they, they may they may be right out of the NTT again.
0: Yeah, so they're on Nicholas Finley, um, Marshall Lennon.
1: Familiar with him,
0: and uh, Jose Red, who's a one-one or a, sorry, two-two or two, uh, three-three. <laughs> um, <laughs> just keep adding <Adam> one, right? Right. <laughs> I'll get it right eventually. So, and then they're also on Cameron Jameson, the number six overall player. So they're on some big ties. Um, you know, we'll see if they can pull any of them out.
2: For sure. Trying to so, really... Trying to place the yeah nine thirteen so, got it. Get this it. next
0: matchup, Arlington and Arbor, I mean, is it gonna? Uh, are we gonna get two teams over hundred? You guys think? I mean, <laughs> both these teams can just score.
2: Yeah, that's why I, I like. I wanna, <laughs> I wanna be bold and take Arlington here because I mean they are shooting extremely well, and they're even in the tournament. They're shooting even better than they have all season. Uh, but Ann Arbor is playing really good ball.
1: Um, Yeah. It's been interesting to see the small forward platoon for Arlington, Mm -hmm. Dennis and Marceau. If you just look at their stats page, you see both of those guys have played around 20 minutes a game on the season and they're both both listed at small forward comma backup small forward. Usually that means one guy was the starter for half the year and the other guy in the first half of the year, and then the other guy replaced him. But in this case, they're really just going back and forth. I mean, it was Marceau who started the game against San Jose and did such a great job against Brian Combs. Uh, they were playing man to man defense. But in the game before that, in the first two NTT games, actually, he was on the bench. It was Dennis in there. So looks like kind of an offense defense thing. Dennis, a really strong scorer. Marceau, maybe the better defender. Uh, so, you know, Coach Ole Miss is going to have some decisions to make heading into this yeah. game. So, I mean, most people look at Ann Arbor
0: and they think, man, this team's just an offensive juggernaut, but they are a really good defensive team. Like they play really, really good defense. Defense. Mm-hmm. They're holding teams to 38.1% from the field, um, 44% from true shooting, but still pretty good. Uh, Arlington, you know, they shoot 49, they shoot efficient. They play great defense too, 41.5, 23.6. Um, Uh, 26.3 from three, and I think that number is important because if they can play great defense against an Ann Arbor team that loves to jack up threes Mm -hmm. and uh, defend the three-point line, I think that could be a game changer in this. In this, if Arlington, if uh, Ann Arbor is throwing up way too many threes out there, um, they could get in trouble if they. I mean, we all know there's a lot of variance with the threes. Sometimes you you make a bunch. And like uh, Lansing did this round, and sometimes you don't make as many. Um, I wonder if that's going to play a factor in this game.
2: Yeah, I think definitely that's something. And like um, with Ann Arbor playing that zone, if for some, if uh, Arlington maybe can get some more uh, kind of that guard play, and you know, maybe take advantage of uh, Anthony Baker wherever he gets stuck. Uh, or wherever Aaron Arbor decides to move him to, if uh, they can somehow take advantage of that, uh, Might be, could be a fun matchup.
0: The tough thing is he plays zone. So mm-hmm. um, so you'd think that Anthony Baker, if he's going to stick at point guard, he's going to be at the top of the key. And mm-hmm. that's for Israel uh, Morelles and uh, Brock Kane to see if they can take advantage. And those guys aren't the guys you really rely on to score a lot
1: of times. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Morelli though is a talented player, right? He is. One, one one freshman class and yes. has had some nice games in the second round of the NTT for example, he had 18 points uh, to go along with eight rebounds. So, uh, you know, he may step up at the right time. They'll be the underdog for sure, but mm-hmm. it's a team that has talent, right? It's not yeah. like they'll be completely overmatched.
0: I mean, yeah. you're not going to face any teams. I mean, every team's going to have some talent at this point, but for sure. For sure this team has a lot of talent, especially in the Freshman and sophomore class.
2: Yeah. And if, I mean, if they're going to have a time to go, I mean, they're, uh, uh, Brock Kane did have 22 points in high school. I mean, yeah, it was a while ago and he hasn't really shown it in college, but if you're going (laughs) to, it's going to be now, it's, uh, if you want, if you want to break out today or, uh, tomorrow, uh, Monday would be a great day to, um, reawaken that high school former high school standout so
0: do you think there's any bad blood between these two teams with like is Ann Arbor like a little salty that they didn't get the number one overall class
1: oh interesting question yeah the two
0: going up against Andrew Tucker the two uh the two headliners probably I mean unless you want to yeah
1: yeah Right, that's a good point. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you look at Ann Arbor's class; it looks like a one-one class, but it isn't. So, I mean, it's uh, the we'll see really how smart the editors at Hardwood and Sim Hoops magazines are. I mean, both
0: of them, both of them picked Arlington over Ann Arbor. So, (laughs) right, we got
1: consensus. (laughs) That's right. So we'll see what the magazines really know. Cool. That is intriguing.
2: Yeah.
0: Just another layer of uh, <laughs> I mean, th-
1: you can even throw in the initials for the teams, right? It's the A-B game. A-B, yeah. R- into Arlington Blazers versus A-A-B-B,
0: mm-hmm. Ann Arbor
1: Bing Bongs. So a lot of parallels.
0: Wow. Well, we are in store for a great Elite Eight on Monday. And, uh, yeah, thanks for just being along with the, for the ride with us. Um, yeah, any closing thoughts, guys?
1: Ann Arbor, Charlotte, Bakersfield. And then the other game will be great. It'll be a really good one, but I would take Lansing. That's what we're going to see.
0: Yeah. St. Paul losing by 35.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, no
1: respect. Maybe that's what they need. We really yeah. ought to just bash them. They suck. They can't do it. <laughs> yeah. got nothing. Well,
0: Hawkeye's a little more gracious on the message board than uh, the other the other team he got into well, a few fights with, so. yeah, yeah, that's true, that's yeah. true.
1: Although Hawkeye himself also got into fights with the Luth, because everybody did, I guess, back in the day. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, everyone loves Portland. so. Yeah. Should Great. Be fun.
0: Well, thanks, guys. Um, we will talk to you soon.